Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of And Finally with me, Sam Vader, the show where we take a look through history at some of the stories you might have heard already, some you might have not, and sort of unpackage it and tell the things that tend to get hidden in history, the parts you might not know, and just general try and educate ourselves about our past, because our past is the key to tomorrow, <clears throat> and at the start of this episode, it wasn't in the last episode because that was incredibly pre-recorded um, way back in May for when we were getting the show up and running. So I will say at the start of this one, we here at Sigil Arts do stand very strongly with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and everything they stand for. We, we hope that change does come about because it's a serious issue that needs to get sorted out. So we are 100% behind it in every single way and are constantly trying to educate ourselves on the matter, on the subject, <clears throat> and and improve ourselves as people so that we can hopefully help other people out as well. And that's actually, I suppose, what inspired this very topical episode of And Finally, only the second one, and we're, we're diving in deep, because this episode is on a very, very important individual, very influential individual, I suppose, as was the last one. But this person is a lot more modern <clears throat> and a lot more important to modern issues, I suppose. I don't want to take anything away from Anne Boleyn, and I suppose her fall, her downfall was to do with issues that we do still face today. But in today's climate especially, this person and, and what he stood for are very important, and that of course is Martin Luther King, <clears throat> a very, very influential person. I'm sure everyone knows who he is and what he stood for, but today we're going to try and take a deeper look into, into his life and... Uh, who he was as a person. So he was born Michael King Jr. Uh, on the 15th of January 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia. And he was the second child of the Reverend Michael King Sr. and uh, Alberta King. And he actually had two siblings, uh, Christine King Ferris, I think that's how you say it, I don't know, sorry, was his older sister, and A.D. King was his younger brother. And uh, they all lived in their home <coughs> in Georgia. And in his childhood years, along with his siblings, he would actually spend time reading aloud Bible scriptures as instructed by his father, as his father was a reverend and he was deeply religious and into his religious studies. Um, and actually, after each dinner, uh, Martin Luther King's grandmother, which he affectionately called Mama, would tell him stories of the Bible to the children and, and to the siblings as well, but in a very lively and manner sort of like a campfire thing is what I imagined when I was reading this that she'd sit there and animate these stories to life in their minds which is very it's a very nice thing to do I think and it reminds me of a time when I would have my granddad he wouldn't tell me bible stories mind you he'd make up things about goblins but it gave me that sort of vibe so I, I definitely sort of felt for him there in fact that that's something that I had with my grandparents when I was a bit younger um and his father, however, Martin Luther King's father, he was definitely, I suppose, a product of his time. Not that he was a bad person, but his form of discipline was normally resorting to whipping his children. It didn't specify with what, but it definitely, yeah, he said he he got a few whippings. And sometimes he would even have the children whip each other. And I'm not sure how that worked, if it was the one who got wronged did it, or it was some... I, I don't really want to know the inner workings of that, but that was obviously... That was the norm back then to have discipline be through a lot more brute force is that the way of saying it so 
you can't really judge that sort of thing, I don't think. It's just what it was for the time. But that being said, King Martin Luther King himself was unique, as his father often said that despite the tears rolling down his face, Martin didn't cry and he didn't move. He just stood there and basically took what was being given to him and didn't just didn't flinch. Yes, there were tears rolling down his face as the influence, but he didn't cry out in pain and he didn't flinch or move away. And I think this is sort of early signs of who he is to be to grow up to be. He clearly has strength and resolve from a very young age and there's a lot through this and I'll probably point it out as I go through it that sort of show the man that he was always going to become that he was from the start a very strong and kind person and actually this is another one where he it was one time he was playing with his brother and AD slid from the banister and actually knocked Mama unresponsive and Martin Luther King feeling so responsible for what happened actually jumped from the second story window in his house in what was essentially a suicide attempt and just just jumped but actually upon hearing that mama was okay he he just picked himself back up and carried on with his day now that's i, I don't that's one of those things i don't quite know like <clears throat> what was going through his head he felt that responsible for hurting another person that was completely an accident he was willing to take his own life but the fact that he jumped out a second story window the minute he heard she was okay he just got up this was a man that just even as a boy just got on with what he needed to do and he was resolute and had a resolve even if it's in a strange way at this point as a child but he's definitely was always destined to become this man that he did become which i found fascinating whilst doing the reading for this just looking at him and his life he he was a good man from the start and he was always destined to become this and yeah i can't stress that point enough clearly um but weirdly enough his first uh, encounter with racism didn't come until he um, started school for the first time so he actually had a white friend who lived i think on the same street as him or across a few streets or whatever and they were childhood friends who would often play together and but when they went to school obviously they had to go to separate schools because because of the color of their skin so they were separated and martin luther king went to a young street elementary school which i think was one of the only black schools in the area and uh, after this, the parents of the white child actually uh, said the child was no longer allowed to play with Martin Luther King. And when, when he asked why, they responded by saying, we are white, you are coloured. And, and this sort of confused him as to why he couldn't play with his friend anymore. So he went home after that and he told his parents what had happened. And they sort of then sat him down and told him stories uh, not stories but told him the history of slavery in the US and racism in US and sort of the whole the whole backstory of the whole black versus white crap that was going on then and is still going on now and probably explained the hypocrisy of it and the ridiculousness but this is something that did shock me was Martin Luther King's initial response to hearing this was that yes whilst a lot of the time he did show early signs of the man he was to become this is different, this is, his response did genuinely shock me, because he responded by saying he was, and I quote, determined to hate every white person, end quote, 
Um, and that's that's so strange hearing that that's Martin Luther King because that's something you wouldn't expect from him. And but fortunately, his parents actually uh, they informed him that well, as I say, his family was incredibly Christian, so his parents then sat him down and went, "No, it's the job of a Christian to love everyone." And I feel like these are words that clearly stuck with Martin Luther King through his life. His initial response was anger and hate, as perfectly reasonable to feel. The same way with what's going on in the in the modern world at the moment. The, the outrage and the anger and the oppression, you know, whilst I personally and so many others can never understand the pain, I completely respect that you're angry, you're outraged. But, but his parents sitting him down and saying the, those words to him, that it's a Christian's job to love everyone, it makes me think that they might have been the words that m just set him on that path. He was already the good man, but they are the words that I think drove him going forward. If you were to ask me, you might disagree, and if I, I implore you after this to go and do... I did do it with every episode. I implore you to go and do your own research afterwards and find out some maybe bits that I missed out trying to condense it to an episode. But go and look him up and and you might find a different point. But I feel like those words are something that really stuck with him. And King's father, in fact, was actually someone who stood up to segregation himself. Whenever he could, he, he was quoted as saying that he did... He didn't care how long I, he had to live with the system, but he would never accept it. Martin Luther King remembered that quote, and that's how I have it here. I, I changed it up a bit there for the tenses. But he remembered that quote, and I think that's another one that stuck with him. You know, we'll live this, with the system for however long we have to, but we don't have to accept it. And in fact, in 1936, uh, Martin Luther King Sr. led a civil rights march in Atlanta, which I think also helped to inspire his son, and uh, Martin Luther King was quoted as saying that his father was someone he looked up to and, and an inspiration, and that's that's very telling of who he was, that his father inspired him, and you can see this in him, in fact there was a, I'm pretty sure I read there was a situation where Martin Luther King's, much like Rosa Parks years later, um, he was on a bus, and he, he just disagreed with the whole seating thing, which is something Martin Luther King does later as well. It's so weird how these scenes repeat themselves, but for the right reasons, but it's also horrible that the situation didn't change fast enough that they had to be repeated. Anyway, I'm getting maybe on a bit of a tangent there, but he was also a keen singer, Martin Luther King, and even at a young age, he was said to have moved people with his voice, even at the age of five. And his favorite hymn was actually, I want to be more and more like Jesus. And and I feel like his religious roots are definitely what made him the man he was. He wanted to be a forgiving, kind person. And as we all know, that is what he was. He was a very good man. And he was actually, he was a very studious person. He was always learning and reading, and wanted to expand his mind. And if he ever got into an altercation, there are so many instances where people have said that you know, people were threatening violence with him. Probably not necessarily racial violence, but just as you get into fights as a child and a young adult. And he would use words to resolve the conflict without even having to throw a punch. And this is another example of the man he was to become. He didn't like the violence. He would solve everything with words and with kindness and love. And he was such a brilliant man. And he was always destined to become. 
what he did. But then we are moving a bit forward. On the 18th of May, 1941, King King snuck out uh, from studying to go to a parade, which was fine. You know, nothing wrong with that. But when he was there, he was informed that something had happened to his grandmother. And when he returned home, he he was told that she'd had a heart attack and sadly passed away on the way to the hospital. And he blamed himself, thinking that God was punishing him for sneaking out. So he actually once again went up to that second story window and jumped out attempting suicide all these years later at the age of uh, would have been 12 at this point but as we all know he, he survived this and went on to do other things such as in 1942 at the age of 13 King skipped the ninth grade I don't know what the English equivalent of that is and was enrolled into Booker T. Washington High School and it was here that he became known for his public speaking and debating skills by joining the debate club and uh, working on his uh, speaking skills a lot during his time here and in his junior year he actually won his first uh, he won first prize in a speaking competition where in his speech he stated that black Americans still wear chains and made comments saying that even the finest black people are at the mercy of the meanest white men and it's words like this that definitely go on to inspire later and he, he knew what he was talking about from an early age and he knew that he, change was needed and uh, this is where actually on the way back from winning that competition he was with his teacher on the bus ride back to Atlanta and his teacher were made to were being told they had to be made to stand as these white passengers got on so they could sit down and King actually initially refused to uh, stand but uh, his teacher eventually convinced him that it wasn't worth the trouble but he actually stated that, that was the angriest he had ever been in his life was that moment being forced to move it was a humiliating moment for him and uh, he was des he was determined to make the change so uh but actually by the age of 13 he'd started to be into question religion and whether or not he would ever find satisfaction in religion and in god um, probably because of all the hardships he'd been going through because of his skin he probably thought it wasn't fair that he was being treated like this after everything he'd devoted to God but we'll get more on that later because also in his junior year he uh, passed the entrance exam for Morehouse College who were sending out basically invitations to younger students because a lot of their students had gone away and enlisted in uh, the army for World War II uh, but Martin Luther King passed the entrance exam that was needed for it and actually managed to get in. And it was here that he met Benjamin Mays, who he credited as his spiritual mentor, who got him back into the spiritual side of his life and concluded that the church offered the best way to answer his inner urge to save humanity. It was in God and in religion and spirituality that he would find the answers to rid oppression and bring equality and peace and save humanity and that is such a pure thing like it's so weird thinking of him at a young age he was what 13 14 at this point and i always think of the man but even at a young age he was destined not destined but he was determined maybe he was destined to save humanity and hopefully his words will echo through us today and he will be the crux on which we save humanity because he was destined and determined to do that but by 1948 he did then graduate from Morehouse College with a Bachelor's of Arts in Sociology. King then went on to continue studying actually at the uh, Kozeth Theological Seminary 
where he became known as one of the Sons of Calvary, which I think is a title given to some people with a spiritual level. I don't entirely know what that is, if I'm completely honest. But in his third year, he actually became involved uh, with a white woman who was the daughter of one of the cafeteria staff. And he actually wanted to marry her. He was deeply in love. But he was uh, cautioned against it by some of his friends and colleagues because of the criticisms he would receive from both black and white people being a mixed race couple. So after six months, he uh, broke off the relationship and uh, he, he didn't speak to her again, unfortunately, after that. But in 1951, he did graduate from the seminary with a Bachelor of Divinity. Uh, after all his great works that he performed there and reaching a spiritual level where he was good to move on and preach to the world in a way, I suppose. I don't really, I don't really know how those things work. Um, I, I need to look into that more myself, to be honest. Uh, but then he actually began doctoral studies at Boston University, studying systematic theology, which is, I suppose, looking at systematic ingrained problems in society, which is something that we need to reevaluate today as well are systematic racism and sexism, just things that are built in society that we need to get rid of, and this is what he studied for his doctorate. And uh, whilst doing this, he did actually work as an assistant minister on the side and befriended a local group of ministers his age. Uh, King received his PhD on June the 5th, 1955, at the age of 26. But weirdly enough, an inquiry in 1991, many years after he died, uh, found that some of his dissertation for his doctorate had actually been plagiarised and not pro properly quoted or uh, referenced. But because of, I think, of who he was and the fact that he wasn't alive anymore, no action was taken to remove the doctorate from a doctoral degree from his name. So he is still Dr. Martin Luther King, but there is actually a caution on, on his doctoral degree now in universities, apparently saying that this isn't properly referenced. Um, which I find really weird because actually looking back whilst he was very studious he never really focused much on grammar and spelling I think and writing he focused more on speaking and learning words rather than writing them so I find that quite entertaining it's quite a normal thing to do it's the kind of thing I'd do in my dissertation I'm quite worried now I'm not going to reference properly Martin Luther King couldn't do it what am I going to do Jesus <laughs> but um, whilst studying he actually met uh Coretta Scott, who would eventually go on to be his wife. He met for a friend who, but at first she was like, no, I don't want to meet him. I don't want to, I don't want to date a preacher type. But the friend kept talking Martin Luther King up like a good wingman does. And eventually she agreed to let Martin uh, Luther King telephone her. And uh, yeah, he sort of won her over and they went on, on a few dates. And eventually on June the 18th, 1953, they were married, and after that they had four children. Yolanda King was born in 1955. Martin Luther King III was born in 1957. Dexter Scott King was born in 1961. And Bernice King was born in 1963. Uh, interestingly enough, King made a point to leave Coretta out of the civil rights movement sort of leadership so she could focus on being a mother to their children. Uh, that can be seen in two ways, obviously, as one, he was trying to protect her, or two, was that more of a ingrained sexist move at the time? I'd like to think not. I'd like to think it's so he knew she was safe with, with the children. But that's something to bring up and that we can never really know. Uh, on, but on December the 1st, 1955, 
This is where Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus, leading to the Montgomery bus boycott, which was led by Martin Luther King himself. The boycott actually lasted 385 days, and the situation got so tense that uh, Martin Luther King's house was bombed, and he was later arrested for his part in the campaign, but it was concluded with a ruling to end segregation on all Montgomery buses and he was then released from prison and after this Martin Luther King was seen as a hero amongst the nation and was the best known spokesman of the civil rights movement. On September the 20th 1958 King was signing copies of his book Stride Towards Freedom in Harlem when he was actually attacked by a mentally ill black woman who thought he was conspiring against her with communists and she actually stabbed him in the chest with a letter opener and he sort of narrowly avoided death through the, uh, with the injury. That's insane. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Conspiring with communists. America was weird back then. It, oh god. But yeah, so she was not put on trial because she was mentally ill, so I don't really know what happened to her. But by 1959, he published the book, The Measure of a Man, uh, which is one of his other most famous books where he's talking about equality and the such. And it was from that point on that he began to lead marches and really step up the civil rights movement and try and get blacks right to vote get rid of segregation, give them labour rights and other basic needs and rights that people should be entitled to. These protests did though lead to successes such as the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the 1965 Voting Rights Act which were big steps forward for black communities in America. King however was actually criticised by other black leaders of the time, most famously Malcolm X who preferred a more violent approach to his protests. And, and they disliked Martin Luther King for his more peaceful approach and was accused of having lost touch with his roots because he wasn't fighting properly for it. Whereas Martin Luther King was all about peace. He didn't want to cause trouble through violence. He wanted to use words and intelligence. He didn't want to be seen as some sort of animal who just acted out. And on December the 1st, 1961, King became involved with the Albany movement for which he was caught in a mass arrest in a peaceful demonstration which is something again that seems very familiar of today of just mass arrests of peaceful protests but he was also the victim of that and uh, he got let out eventually and uh, but he returned in 1962 and was given the option of 45 days in prison or a $178 fine which is equivalent of today $1,500 fine. Um, he chose jail, but three days into the arrest, the police officer arranged for the fine to be paid and King was released. Now, this is debated on whether this was a gesture of goodwill, or this was in fact something completely different, and this was more, get him out, we don't want him in here. Uh, I saw a quote, something along the lines of, you know, they kick us out of their shops and restaurants and cafes, and now they're kicking us out of their prisons as well. So I'm, I'm, it's debated whether the police chief did this for the right reasons or not. But whether he did or not, Martin Luther King was released from prison for the umpteenth time by this point. Now, 1963, the Birmingham campaigns took place and King's intention was to provoke, 
provoke mass arrests and therefore create a situation so crisis-packed that the negotiations were inevitable and he sought to do this through peaceful protests. Now I don't know about you but that sounds very familiar of today causing so much trouble through peaceful protests that people eventually are forced to listen to you. And this is what I mean by this is so pressing at the moment. I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent again here, but I feel like this is important for this particular episode. The fact that I, I, I said at the start of this episode, and I said it for a reason in this particular episode, the past is the key to tomorrow. The fact that these events are repeating means that we haven't learned the lessons of the past. We need to learn from the past to learn how to be better in the future. So hopefully this time the peaceful protests do gain traction and people start... Well, clearly at this point it started to make small changes. Let's hope the ball keeps rolling and we get some bigger systematic changes eventually because the past is repeating itself and that's not a good thing in this case. In some places it's fantastic but in this case the past repeating itself is proof of, I suppose, ignorance and arrogance and refusal to move on and learn from, from our mistakes in the past. And I really hope that this show in general, but particularly this episode at the moment, does teach us where we've gone wrong and where we need to be in the future for these people. Um, so yes, he organised these peaceful protests hoping to gain attention. And uh, he got that in the way that Police were actually using high-pressure water jets and police dogs against the protesters, including children. And whilst this is horrific, much like some of the things going on today with rubber bullets and smoke grenades and everything else police are using to sometimes brutally disrupt peaceful protests, but much like in today, this was gobbled up by the media and it was spread across the nation, creating shock amongst both black and white communities as they couldn't believe what they were seeing with this police brutality towards people who were just peacefully protesting and actually started to gain even more traction for the civil rights movement on both sides of the conflict. Both black and white were starting to unify under this one cause, thinking, yes, we need change. This isn't right. Um, but, but King was once again arrested at this protest and this made it 13 out of, eventu- out of an eventual 29 arrests. So he, he's nearing, nearing halfway at this point uh, <laughs> with his arrests. But it was while he was in prison here that he wrote his famous letter from Birmingham jail where he actually questioned how things like civil rights were seen as illegal in his protests and weren't viewed as good and were being taken he was being oppressed for it but the actions of the likes of Hitler in Germany were seen as completely legal at the time um, by the German government he was allowed to do that and yes you can make the argument that Hitler was the German government but he was allowed to get away with all these things yet a peaceful protest in the so-called land of the free was being disrupted with extreme force and prejudice and it was here in, in this jail that Martin Luther King had time to think on this and he, as I say, he wrote about it and uh, questioned what was clearly wrong with society that this was, this was being allowed to happen. But once again in 1963, it was the year of the famous March on Washington which took place, of course, on the 28th of August of that year. Kennedy originally was sceptical of the protest but realising that it was going to go ahead anyway, he fully put his support behind it 
thinking look, if it's going to happen there's no point in doubting any chaos it could cause let's go for it and he wanted the protest to work that much that he actually sent and reached out to gather more protesters and demonstrators from church groups he knew and tried to get as many people to support this cause this cause as he could and in the end they got there was over there was more than a quarter of a million people that attended the event and that's brilliant because this was where Martin Luther King gave the speech that he's probably most famous for and one of the most famous speeches in human history. The famous I have a dream speech. I'm not going to go over the speech here. If you don't know it, read it. I, I don't know, there might be a recording of him saying it. I'm, I'm not going to quote you on that. But if not, the whole speech will be online somewhere. Read it. It's very powerful, very telling of the issues of the time and issues that still apply today. But basically, the gist of it was he was talking about a dream of a day where white people and black people can live together in harmony, no oppression, no segregation. And obviously, for the most part, that dream, that dream has been fulfilled. But there's just that final push left to go to get true equality for everyone. And I really hope that one day we do reach that because Martin Luther King's dream will become a reality one day. And that is one thing I'm determined to, to see in my lifetime. So yes, he gave that that famous speech and in trying to organise another march in Montgomery, weirdly enough, the attempts were met once again with police and mob brutality and violence, uh, forever dubbing the day actually as Bloody Sunday. Uh, King unfortunately was not present, but coverage of the brutality gained so much sympathy for the cause and King himself actually came out and said, if I had known what would have happened and all the violence that was going to take place, he would have left his church duties for the day because that's why he didn't attend he had he had spiritual obligations but he said he would have left those behind for the day to lead the march himself if he'd known it would have been so violent he would have wanted to be there to be with his people at the time and that's once again says a lot about his character the fact that yes he couldn't go because of spiritual obligations but the minute he found out what was happening there and how bad it really was he said i would have rather been there and been through that with my with my brothers and sisters standing by my side. He's truly a remarkable man. And uh, in 1966, Martin Luther King moved to Chicago uh, to spread his message to the north of the country. He'd, he'd had reasonable and quite a large amount of success in the south, so this is where he, uh, he moved to the north to try and make a change up there as well. He started in Chicago, uh, with the Chicago Freedom Movement. But their marches became violent, not because of him, but some of the protesters and demonstrators got a bit rowdy and violent. So he began to counsel them as he did not believe in such methods and he didn't want his name to be associated with blood and, and violence. He wanted to stick to his peaceful, spiritual way of doing things, using words and act over violent actions. And, uh, but, but during one of these particular marches, he was actually hit with a brick. Uh, I can't, it didn't specify where he was hit, but he was hit with a brick, but he just continued to lead the march, much like when he was younger and he was getting whipped and disciplined by his father, and he just didn't, he just carried on, like when he jumped out a window and just walked away from it. He was a strong man and dedicated to the cause and his spirituality and what he believed in, and wow, what an incredible man, I can't, I can't stress this enough that he was such, such an incredibly brilliant man. Oh, and 
he was actually very strongly against the Vietnam War. Um, but it took him a while to break his silence on the subject. It was actually in his 1967 speech, Beyond Vietnam, Time to Break the Silence, yeah, that he gave in New York, that he finally spoke up about his issues with the Vietnam War itself. He was mainly appalled with the war. One, due to the, obviously, brutal actions of the US, and he said they were only there for to spread their dictatorship and spread their oppression over the world that's genuinely what he thought it was just a way of spreading oppression which i suppose it was and it was a big muscle flex on america's part and he saw through that and thought it was stupid why are we there it's pointless and he was appalled with the actions that were carried out during the war but he also then thought with all the money and resources going in to the vietnam war we could have used it to help homelessness equality those resources could have been better used for civil rights and other things, the money could be used to fund so many better projects to help people get homes, to help people who are suffering, but instead it was used to fund a big military project that was just a massive muscle flex on the uh, part of the US, and he was deeply saddened by this, and he wasn't too pleased with it. Um, by 1968, he had published his final book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? Addressing social issues and poverty about, look, we've made changes, but where do we go from here? Do we become a unified community or does the chaos get worse? Do, does the aggression, does the inbuilt, just conflict, just get worse? Um, but he didn't live to see any of the results of that, obviously, because sadly on the 4th of April 1968, he was uh, assassinated and shot dead. At the uh, at a motel in Memphis at 6:01 a.m. by James Earl Ray, and uh, unfortunately it was a fatal shot, and and Martin Luther King died unfortunately, and that's that's the sad end to his story. It's much like last week. It's not a happy ending to his story. However, also much like last week, the legacy that he left, I think, makes all of it worth it. I think if he knew what was going on today, yes, he'd be completely disheartened that there are still these issues all these years later. But if he saw the people that hold his name up in such high regard that try to carry out his message and the fact that people are still fighting for change, some people are trying the non the non-violent method and I'm not here to say what method's right, what method's wrong. I, I have no right to judge on how people act in these situations. But I think whilst, yes, he would be disheartened, I think knowing that his legacy lives on and that people are still talking about him and the impact that he made and still listening to his very powerful words in I Had a Dream, I think he would be completely overwhelmed in the fact that there is still, there's still change needed that people are fighting for that, that it didn't end with him. And I think that's what he'd be very proud of, the fact that something he started, it, it lived on past him. And I think that's where, yes, his ending is tragic, but it's not because his words, his power, everything he stood for are still rife in the world today. And this is where this part of the episode is, this is where I struggled today because I had to try and shorten this to have more of a, Black Lives Matter conversation at the end of this, but related to him and more talking about his legacy. Because, yes, whilst this series will be predominantly focused on the past, obviously, and he is a figure of the past, 
in this case, I feel like talking about his legacy is very prominent and important. And it's something we shouldn't just do over the medium of me talking to you over a podcast. It's something that should be discussed with your friends, with your family. Discuss these things. Martin Luther King used to solve problems with words and we should do that too. Which means no silence. If you're silent on the matter, you're not helping. If you're discussing it, if you're using your words, if you're educating yourself as he did, or as we are now going through his story, if you're educating yourself, you're you're making a difference. If you're speaking out against racism, not being aggressive or angry, but talking with someone, if you know somebody makes a comment that they shouldn't have said, just tell them. Don't call them out on it in an aggressive way. I'm doing this. Do what Martin Luther King would have done. Talk to them. Be kind. As you said, it's the job to love everyone, whether you're a Christian or not. It's your job as a human being to treat everyone else as a human being, to love everyone, regardless of race, gender, sexuality. And that's what I think the Black Lives Matter movement is. Yes, obviously, it's definitely predominantly about the oppression of, of black people through history and systematic racism. But it's about whole lot more than that it's core as well it's about equality because that's the big thing isn't it it's black lives matter as well as everyone else not black lives matter above all else it's 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 about equality and we will not be equal until black lives are the same as us and they are people as well and they're not discriminated against for the color of their skin and I feel like in this situation, Martin Luther King is still a hero of the movement. You can't deny that, and you never will be able to, that what he said and what he did still echoes throughout throughout time. And it's a point that needs to be discussed, his life, his history. So as I say, every week I will always employ you to go and look up these people or these topics I'm talking about for yourselves and and learn. But this week in particular... Go and look up the life of Martin Luther King. Go and look up black history. Go and look up the the history of the slave trade and everything that happened. And try to, to educate yourself on the history so you can better empathize with what's going on today. We will never understand the pain. We can't. We come from a privilege in that respect. But we can try our best to learn about it, learn how to change and how to be better. Martin Luther King is an example of that and a hero I've always held up to because I've always thought equality was needed in the world. And even from a young child, I I saw that as well. I'm not comparing myself to Martin Luther King. Obviously, he's a much better man than I will ever be. But he's always been a hero to me in that respect, that he was someone who stood up for what he believed in, but didn't didn't use violence he used words and he used his mind and his intellect and I feel like if all of us take that approach and just learn read learn understand the world will just be a better place for everyone if people just learn learn just read up on the history read up on how to change and better yourself it's not that hard but people are afraid of change that's the problem if they embrace it and embrace a need of change, the world will be 
so much a better place and Martin Luther King will forever be the hero who pushed for that change. And that's where I suppose I'm, I'm gonna draw this to a close as to not go on too long on a preachy speech at the end there but I feel like it was needed in this particular episode to say that and and get that out there whilst also giving you the history of of a brilliant kind and fantastic man like Martin Luther King and uh, I'd like to thank you guys so much for listening to both the the start of this and the ranty bit at the end here the, the bit of the preachy bit and also give a thank you I suppose I suppose to our sponsors uh, kingseyes.life good at something best at anything it's a brilliant website do go check it out for their blogs they recently did a black lives matter post i believe they do brilliant stuff there and when the merch shop opens that'll be fantastic as well so please do go check them out and i would like to once again thank them so much for sponsoring this podcast i'm pretty sure i just said video but we'll ignore that i said that it's fine and seriously once again guys thank you so much for listening again this week it, it's been a pleasure to talk to you again and i hope you have learned something this week if you haven't heard last week's episode please go check it out it's on Anne Boleyn, my favorite historical figure of all time go check that out i thought it was quite good it's got a lot of information on her as a person as well <clears throat> don't know what i'll be talking about next week maybe i'll talk about someone who wasn't so nice in history as the last two weeks i've talked about two of my heroes in history we might get a villain in next week or who knows but once again thank you so much for listening it's been a pleasure and i really do please try and take something away and just read about this sort of thing it's very important at times like this and finally guys i'll speak to you next week <laughs>